Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Hi, and welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today, I'm bringing Annie Evans onto the show. She's the founder of Dream Ventures and a former founder operator turned angel investor and connector, helping founders reach their fundraising goals and secure partnerships that are transformative for early stage businesses. Welcome, Annie. Thank you, Stephanie. I This has been the highlight of my week, and I'm so excited to chat and get to know you and, and dive in. Well, it's funny you say highlight because I was going to ask you what your biggest mom win of the week, and it could be a personal win. And I was hoping you'd say you actually got to go to a hair salon. (laughs) Exactly. That was probably one of them. I have plenty of mom fails this week, but that was one of the highlights. Well, any other mom wins? (laughs) Mom wins. I found some finger paint that's non-toxic that killed an hour while I was on a zoom call that I put a big white poster board and let him like go crazy. And that was, that was a mom win. What brand did you, or where did you buy it? It is right here. I will grab it. It's, it is eco kids finger paint and it's all, you know, powdered plants, fun colors, and you just mix it with water. And it looks like ice cream. (laughs) It looks like ice cream and he loved it. And it's, you put them in the bath and it washed right off. Oh, that's amazing. Well, so let's step back and give us a little bit of a picture of what your family structure looks like. How old is your kid? How many kids? All of the info. So our family structure, I am married to the love of my life. His name is David. We met at a coffee shop in New York City, uh, Jack's Coffee, and fell in love. And it's been a fun adventure ever since. We have a son who is almost two. His name is Wells. We named him after our happy place, which is Wells Beach, Maine. We have a little cottage there. So, Oh, how nice. And you are based in, the, well, kind of the city in New York. So how was that during the last year? How was your life living there and also having a little one at home with a company? <laughs> it was pretty crazy. We sort of early on, we got a big chalkboard and we, every week we would map out a schedule of like, grandmas, neighbors, friends, and we just sort of like welcomed any help or support. My husband is an entrepreneur, so he has a bit of a flexible schedule. So he's always rolling up his sleeves to dive in as well. I mean, it was, it was, you know, frigging crazy, but we had a lot of support, which we were grateful for. And now how does that look for you? Are you able to get work done? You know, are you and your husband able to get work done? I know you run a crazy company, which we'll talk about, but how does that look now with a 22 month old? running around. We actually found this incredible school down the street. So he's in, he's in daycare preschool and he's so happy because he's got all of his friends. They do amazing activities. My husband used to be the chef at the school, so he knows everybody. So we're, we're good now. 
Oh, that's incredible. So I want to step back and talk a little bit about your pre-mom life to your mom life. What did your pre-mom life look like in terms of career? And, you know, how did that transition to now that you're a mom? Talk about your entrepreneurial journey through that. Absolutely. So I would say pre-mom, I was all about building relationships. I would say yes to every networking event, panel, dinner, breakfast. I was always sort of wanting to meet as many awesome, inspiring people as I could. And I would say that post-mom made me sort of be a lot more reserved with my time. And so I really said no a lot more than i was used to. And so I think I just started to understand more like how precious time is and that I sort of guard my family time, like a lot more close. Has your business changed? And we can talk about what your business is, but has it changed since you became a mom, since you launched it beforehand? And also like over the last year, just through the pandemic, I would say pre-mom, the business was always like a, a side hustle that honestly I spent like limited time. And then after I became a mom and during the pandemic, I made it my full-time focus. And so now it's all about dream ventures. And I think having a son made me more excited about it because I can go into a, a little bit about it later, but essentially we invest in companies that make the world a better place, which is the world that I want to create for our son. Oh, so tell me what is dream ventures all about? So Dream Ventures is a fund. We back founders building a better future. We back, you know, underrepresented founders. We have a great sort of group in our portfolio. And aside from the funds, we also help founders with raising capital and partnership. So I want to go back. So we had a little chat before we started this and you mentioned you were an actual entrepreneur. You started a tech oriented startup back in 2012. And then you have evolved over time and now you have this venture. Let's talk about that journey a little bit and then how each of the parts kind of like came into play. Because when you don't have kids, you can dive into your business. You can, you know, work around the clock, eat macaroni and cheese, whatever that is, sleep on the sofas, you know, the very stereotypical like starving entrepreneur or startup person. And then, but now you're like on the other side kind of of that table plus you have a child. So what inspired you to keep going through that? And tell me, how did that progress? Like, how did you go from side hustle also to full-on business? For the mom out there who's like, I have this idea, like I want to do it and they're starting, but maybe they're scared. And then they start a side hustle, but then they're still working. Like, let's talk about that journey a little. 100%. I mean, I would say majority, 99% of the, of my tribe, that had started a side hustle pre-pandemic, but had kids, it pretty much everybody had to be like put to the side, whatever they're, cause they, they were doing homeschool, they were doing all the mom stuff. And so pretty much the conversation around in my circle was that had to be put on hold. And so that makes me even more purpose-driven and excited to help founders as we sort of come out of this with the vaccine and some other things like to help bring their dream to life even more because pretty much all of my clients and friends had to put their dreams on hold to take over other responsibilities. And so I want to help them take it off the back burner and make it come to fruition. 
How did you though, take your kind of side hustle? So like, let's start off with, you had my company, you said beautified back, back in the day. And then after that, you launched dream ventures, but you said it was a side hustle. And I love how you said, like people used to ask to pick your brain because I think a lot of us out there get that. Hey, can I pick your brain? I'm curious about this. Like, I know I get that a ton. And so I'm curious, how did you take that start a company and then move from that side hustle to now a full company? Absolutely. So in 2012, I co-founded a beauty booking app that was sort of like open table or a hotel tonight. We had a lot of great success with it. We raised successful seed round of 1.2 million. We launched in San Francisco, LA, New York. We built a whole team, ultimately went out of business for two reasons. One, founders, we had, it was three of us. Some of us did not share the same vision of the company that we wanted to pivot. And so it kind of crumbled as a result. And the other reason was the reason why Open Table was successful is they got everybody on the Open Table system. The reason why no one's been able to crack the code of like an aggregated beauty booking is because all the salons and spas, they all use different software. So we couldn't crack that code with the backend API integration. So for those two reasons, it went out of business. So I went over to con- I, for Glam Squad. You did. You didn't mention that part. I was going to say, because it's a very similar to Glam Squad, but the opposite, because you're not trying to book a spot at a salon. You're trying to bring beauty to you. Almost like freelancy, kind of almost like Lyft or Uber. Right. So NEA, who led our round, one of my favorite venture funds, they are amazing strategic supportive partners. They kindly, when ours crumbled and went under, they connected me with Alexandra Wilson to go and consult because they had just backed Glam Squad. I think they led their round at like 15 million. So I went to consult with Glam Squad for a couple of years, which was great. I moved to Miami and was it was awesome because I was quite down in the dumps after my startup went under. I had my friends invest and I lost their money, my parents, all of my money. I was majorly in debt. I had zero doll hairs. I mean, couldn't pay my rent, like down, down in the dumps. And so this was such a gift to be able to go and consult and start making money again and actually get out of New York and get in the tropical sort of sun in Miami was like a great part of healing for me. So after Glam Squad, I joined the wing because actually Glam Squad was one of their first partners in the beauty room. In the beauty room of the first one, you could book Glam Squad and have them come to the beauty parlor. So that's how I kind of got in the mix because... To be honest, the first hundred members who were at the wing were like crazy, like the founders of Soul Cycle and you know celebrities. And I was like, how the hell did I get in here? And it was because of that kind of in <laughs> with the partnership. And so, to your point, I was having a bazillion free pick your brain coffees. Come home and tell my husband, oh my gosh, this inspiring founder. But I was broke to an extent because I was having pick your brain napkin coffees all day. So I thought to myself, I need to start charging. And I think I started charging a hundred dollars for an hour five years ago. And they were like, how do you pay? And I'm like, PayPal, Venmo. Like I didn't have anything set up, but I was like, I'm just, you know, I would always, if any girlfriend of mine wants to pick my brain, I would always do that. But especially if you don't know the person, you don't know how serious they are. It's a good way to vet people, especially like if you're going to pay for something, you value it. Right. Right. Exactly. So how did, I was going to, I have so many questions. I'm going to start with actually this and then go backwards, but 
with the pick your brain and to, you made a comment, you're like, I'm broke. Like I don't have anything, but yet I'm giving advice to these quote celebrities or whatnot. How did you overcome that mindset of almost imposter syndrome? Because I have learned so many of what not to do from my startup. So for example, you know, when I went out to raise money, I met with anybody that was an investor. And what I realized is that just because someone's an investor, they're not the right investor for you. So I learned that you need to meet with early stage investors that will invest pre-revenue, pre-seed, just like a deck, if you're at that stage. And so that's sort of something that I started to teach people was look at those investors in your network. And a couple other tricks that I learned along the way, which was, you know, with our app, some of our biggest angel investors were our users of our app. So we pulled who are our super users and we started having coffees with those people. And 10 of those people ended up like writing us a check for 50K or 25K because they'd already used the app and it wasn't just like this foreign like concept. I think that just translates over to business in general, which is know your audience, talk to them. Don't build something that in your head you think is great. Actually talk to the people who use it, see why, understand their pain points. Like this is business 101. And then to your other point about finding investors, that's almost the same thing of finding like not necessarily your ideal client, but who is the best match for your company? We all, you have to figure out what your niche is and then find someone aligned with you. So I like that. That's a tip that anyone could use if you're fundraising or not. You talked about the biggest failures in your company. And I thought one of them that was interesting is you mentioned co-founders and not being on the same board, what are the biggest, I guess, lessons or tips that you can give people out there who might be looking for co-founders or in kind of that situation to kind of get themselves out, like either out or on, on a better, better place. Number one, numero uno is do not meet somebody and believe everything that they say that they've done and that they have, you know, if someone comes to you and says, I've worked at all these places, And I already have all of this traction in terms of like equity split and all that. Do back channel, don't ask them for references, but do your own detective, get your Nancy Drew hat on, start talking to people where they first worked and really make sure when you sign a partnership agreement, that if someone's coming to the table and saying, I have all these things, check it out. Because I think we all get excited. We're all super want to believe like the best of everyone, but sometimes there's smoke and mirrors. There's not, people are not always truthful when it comes to those. And so that stuff can really bite you in the bum when if you sign a bad operating agreement. So number one is check references, back channel, character check, all of that. Two is think about, do you necessarily need a co-founder? Like look at Sarah Blakely, look at, you know, the founder of Hitwater. Like you don't always need a co-founder. Sometimes it's better to just run the show yourself and hire your right hand technical co-founder or not co-founder, but like find the technical person, find the developer, find the marketing person. They don't necessarily, but some people think that, well, I need to give them equity. So I need to give them like a founder status in order to, you know, make them buy into this idea. Would you ever, if you were to start a company again, would, do you ever suggest to find co-founders or are you kind of like a try and do it solo first? For me, I don't plan on ever having a co-founder again, because I've learned that as an entrepreneur, one of the greatest, because it's all, we all know it's not glamorous. It's very difficult. One of the joys of being an entrepreneur is getting to have a vision and execute the way that you want to, and the way that you have ideas. And if you have a co-founder, a lot of times 
every single thing, you have to get their buy-in. And it can be really frustrating if you have this big vision and you want to pivot or, or launch this thing and your co-founder is not into it. You feel sort of like you have a boss almost and you have to get sign-offs. So that's sort of my thing. I, I think there's so many examples, right? Of like Bonobos, Moda Operandi, you know, the list goes on and on of like where these partnerships do not end very well. And I think it's just, sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I think alignment of vision and just like people feeling like I did more work than you did or whatnot and really finding those complementary skills. So it's not like we both can do marketing. That's what's hard. So I wanted to ask at that time, you didn't have a kid. So you were able to, I mean, not able to, but you lost a lot. You lost your company. You know, you were kind of at the bottom. I think that's a fear that a lot of mom entrepreneurs right now have is like, they want to start something. They want to do like go forward and build this. I know I have those thoughts. I don't have the time. I don't have that risk tolerance to be able to lose it all because I have three kids. I have people that depend on me. So I guess moms right now, you know, who are maybe faced with that, but have these like passions, do you have any advice for them on like what they can do or what you would tell someone if they were in a pick your brain session on like, I have this great idea or blah, 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 but dot, dot, dot. My advice would be tell your husband that he can stay home and that we're going to be the ones that take the entrepreneurial risk. No, I, it's, it's so true because I legit, no joke, was a couch surfer for a full year in New York city. I did not have a home. I had a schedule of all my best friends and I had a little duffel bag that people called me like Huckleberry Finn. I had three outfits and I would just go Every three days, I would go to someone's couch and I was a cocktail waitress. And so at night after I would work on my startup, so there's no way that I would have been able to do that now. So it's very difficult. I think what people can do is a couple of different things. So for example, I had an idea to start Kickstarter for female founded companies years ago. And then through Hey Mama, I met Karen Kahn, who had started it. So I was like, instead of me starting it, I can just go and be part of hers. So I contacted her. I invested in her. I helped her raise a seed round. So I kind of got to be part of it without taking all the risk, but still get the energy. So one advice would be like, if you can't go all in right now because of family circumstances, you could go and be part of a startup through different ways and still get that energy. And by the way, just because it's not right now, maybe it could be in a year. I mean, I've interviewed people who have teenage kids who are launching theirs or who are in accelerator programs and they're like 20 years older than some of the people in that program. So that makes sense. And I like how you're saying like find things that you're passionate and interested in or like, cause I'd say to a lot of moms, what did you love doing? Like before, is it like marketing? Is it, what is it? And find something that you can translate that passion towards, but it doesn't necessarily, you're right. Have to be your own company right now, but then it also gives you some credibility and experience on your resume. Totally. And like, what I love to do is like invest in founders that I like would want to start the company or I'm so excited. I'm like, why doesn't this exist? And you get to be part of it, but like not in the weeds and like doing it 24 seven. And, you know, so it's a good way to, and it's not, it's not a lot of money. It could be 5k or 10k. Like 
Yeah. So you also mentioned something like you moved to Florida and like the sunshine and the change. And that was just kind of like a wellness aspect. Do you in your current life have any wellness practices, anything that you do for yourself daily to help make sure you're like a whole person so that you can be a good leader, a good CEO, a good mom, a good wife, all of that. It's funny you should say that because it's it's sort of like my number one priority right now. I would say that something that I struggled with very much in the pandemic was definitely at five o'clock, I was, me and my girlfriends were making margaritas and, you know, because our baby was nine months and so he was home. And that was sort of like, okay, you've been working all day. We're going to transition into like cocktails and wine and all this stuff. Well, we all know it's fun in the moment, but like it makes you feel foggy and sluggish and like, you know, just kind of in like your sleep and all that. So I was like, this has got to change instead of me having that be my ritual. So I started trying some of the fun, non-alcoholic beverages that are out there. Aplos, which I just invested in Gia and some of the other ones. So in terms of like self-care, that's something I'm working on is changing those rituals instead of like, okay, let's have wine or like make Negronis for our neighbors, like try to replace it with some different things. I started working with a plant practitioner, LA based member of Hey Mama, Crystal Hayes. And we did a breath work session the other day, which was awesome. And then she's so like delicious. I don't know how to describe it, but delicious. Like your whole body tingles. You're like, I I love breath work. (laughs) Yes. It was amazing. Highly recommend. And it was like, I would have never done that pre-pandemic was to book like a Thursday at two o'clock, like breath work session. And then she sends you flower essence tinctures that you like drop under your tongue. And it's awesome. Ooh. So do you do like, do you have any practices now that you do like daily? And then also what time do you wake up in the morning? I wake up. Oh my gosh. I wish that I could wake up earlier, seven o'clock, but I basically just wake up literally like grab the biggest cup of coffee that my husband has made in the morning. He's so sweet and makes coffee every day, grab coffee, go right into getting our son dressed and out the door for school. And then he leaves and I go right into work. So I very much am working on like establishing a morning routine. I do not have one, but something that I have done for the past four years is I have worked out consistently with a strength trainer. We do a lot of weights. So twice a week at 9am, I take an hour and I go work out with him and I feel guilty about the money, but I'm also like, I think one good thing about a trainer is that they are constantly pushing you to like do a little bit more weight and they're spotting you and they're making sure your form is good and stuff. So that's another thing. Plus it's accountability. I think it forces you to do it. Totally. Good point. Good point. (laughs) Well, there have been so many changes in the last year. And then you mentioned even we're going to switch back over to work is that in the beginning of COVID, you ended up formulating your fund. And so now you have that part of your business. So you're running a toddler, a fund and a company. Do you have a team? Like how, how is that looking for you right now? So I didn't have a team and I needed a team. So, cause I was feeling like, overwhelmed. And I always meant to post on dream ventures, Instagram never happened, send out an email never happened. So I was like, these things are on my list and they're not happening. So I need a team to help execute. So what I did is I did an iFund women campaign for $50,000. I met the goal in a month. And then I used that money to hire a marketing and operations person, Rachel, who I love and a branding strategist, to do my website and a bunch of other things. 
I'm going to have to uh, quote, pick your brain on how to use iPhone women. Cause I'm actually thinking of using their platform for something too. So like <laughs> oh anytime, how do you pick the companies that you want to angel invest in? So it's a great question. So I've kind of narrowed it down to, it's so hard because all day long, I'm meeting with all these entrepreneurs and what makes me whip out the checkbook is if it is a company that is making the world a better place, number one, two, if I feel like I can actually make a meaningful impact. So if I feel like I can open a lot of the doors for the founder, whether it's through retail or connections or fundraising, that's usually when I I feel like if I can like help this person and I'm excited. And also if it's like a product or a service where it's like, how does this not exist? I like wish that this, what is that saying? Create the things you wish existed. It's like that. Then I get excited. Kind of like what you said, like, instead of starting the company of something that you wanted, find that company that might be already doing it and then go to that. But that's actually a good point of on the flip side of people looking to fundraise and looking for investors, like take the qualities that you just said you were looking for and think about that because it's a partnership. I love that. Well, to wrap things up, I wanted to end with a couple final questions. And the first one is what is your mom's superpower that you gained once you became a mom that helps you in either business or life? Ooh, so I would say a superpower would be, I think that I am all about like creative play and being in the moment. So whether it's like getting down with my son and like finger painting or putting on like Bob Marley and like dancing, like all crazy all around the house. So I feel like sort of just getting back in that like play mindset that we do when we're children. And when we're older, it's like, I got to send the email. I got to like do this. And so I feel like that sort of helped me kind of like play again is like having him and just being in the moment. And we're often like very messy and it will leave like a big mess. I think it drives my husband insane, but we just, we get in the moment. We get excited. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that creative play. And to wrap things up, as we move out of this pandemic and stuff, any advice for those entrepreneurs now going out there in the market, any final pieces of advice from all the lessons you've learned along the way from failure to being on the other side of the table, what was the, what would be the one piece of advice you would give to them? I would say, don't forget to celebrate the wins. I think it's so easy to get caught up in what is not working and what hasn't happened yet. And I think just taking the time to celebrate however you like to do so and just give yourself a pat on the back and like hype yourself up with like, you know, I actually like did that and I like secured that. And so I think celebrating the wins is really important, but I wanted to offer something for your, your listeners that if anybody, I'd be happy to do a complimentary call with anybody that wants to just pitch their idea, get some advice. I, they can just email me and we'll set it up. Perfect. I'll put that info in the show notes, but can you tell me where we can find you? Yes. Dreamventures.co. Perfect. And and I was going to say is it was a perfect capstone because I start the podcast always with what celebrate your win. Like what is your biggest mom win? So when you said that, I was like, well, it's a perfect way to end. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Because as moms, we need to celebrate our wins too. We need to celebrate the things in the week that have gone well for us. So both business and both motherhood. Thank you so much, Annie, for joining today. I really appreciate it. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time.